And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ, now, many years ago, I had a, a neighbor who was a senior citizen, retired, and when people asked him what he had done for a living, his answer required a bit of explaining compared to what terms we would use today. He fondly spoke of his days in the late 1930s, beginning his corporate career, traveling the country region by region as one of their leading advance men. Do you know what an advance man is? In other words, he worked in sales and marketing, but he never sold anything or ever placed an ad but rather he was the first person to arrive in that community to begin building relationships and awareness of who he represented and what his company had to offer. That specific vocation still does exist today, but it's changed a lot and changed a lot because of the role that technology plays in allowing us to discover what a company is all about what their product line is and how easy it is to get our hands on it, have it delivered to our front door without much effort. The whole progression relies far less on an individual's ability to build relationships and their rhetorical gifts. But if you were to scour the pages of history down through the ages, you would find that advanced men, advanced men, have been a thing back to the very earliest days of humanity. Most important people with any significant material resources would employ an advance man who would come to town long before their boss, making sure that everything was ready and available for their employer when he arrived building the relationships with support that was vital to the success of that king or that governor or that general or that oligarch, which is a term that's often used today with some venom in the voice, and yet that would be a very real description of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Job from the Scriptures and others like them. Let's say we began evaluating all of the advanced men that we could find on the pages of history to determine who was the best at their vocation and 
who had the right to be in the Advanced Men Hall of Fame? I would propose to you that John the Baptist should actually be in the very first inductment class into that Hall of Fame. He had game in ways that very few other advanced men ever have. He had a miracle birth to very elderly parents. He worked, in a sense, in the family business. He had a distant relative who was going to be the most important human being who would ever live on the face of the earth, who was only six, year, six months younger than him, and it was his calling to introduce him to the world as he arrived on the scene, but also to make preparations for that arrival. He also had no doubt that he was the right man for the job, that he was God's chosen vessel to do that work because unlike any other advanced man that I'm aware of, promises and prophecies about who he would be and what his work would be are right there in numerous places in the ancient Old Testament scriptures. But John the baptizer had everything it took. John knew from earliest childhood that he was indeed on a mission from God. And when the time came, he clearly set about his mission in an exceptionally unique way when it comes to the way he dressed and presented himself to the world and certainly by his choice of diet. But all of that is simply helping us understand that this was a man who really did not care very much about what people saw and thought about him, didn't care much about what he was wearing or what he was eating. He had and showed complete confidence in his role for the best employer anyone could ever have. He went out into that wilderness along the Jordan to find the perfect spot to gather people into a crowd where they would be able to hear him and see him. And he only cared that they listened to and thought deeply about his message. In regard to that, John the Baptist was as likely focused and unconcerned and as little self-aware, so to speak, as his boss, Jesus, would be during his gospel ministry. The Baptist knew that his message was not one that most souls were going to want to hear. And the day and age in which we live, John the Baptist's message would still not be at all popular. John was also very much about acknowledging sin and human failure. It was all about confessing it to God. Acknowledging out loud what God already knew about our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our desires, our appetites. Acknowledging sin and human failure. Confessing it to God. Committing to moving on from it. But only in ways that pleased God. John also had a washing in his arsenal that Jesus would later empower with the word of God for the rest of history as being something different than it was at that moment for John. 
It was a go-to bath of body and soul that, when coupled with the Word of God, had the power to remove sin and give opportunity for a whole new life. Jesus and the apostles would later build our understanding of John's baptizing with their own insights of it being a washing of cleansing, of renewal, of a whole new eternal life. And John proclaimed it and described it to those who came to him as the only and absolute best way to prepare for the Messiah, whom everybody was waiting for and John knew was very soon to come. This messenger of God never minced words. He told every single sinner that stood before him exactly what they needed to hear. He did not concern himself with whether that was a king or a representative of a king or the poorest man of the region. He looked everybody in the eye and told them the truth. And he was exceptionally unconcerned about who you might be. And that's what made people most confident about the fact that he was actually telling them the truth. He was very personal, even, and specific when asked to be in applying the word to the lives and livelihoods of his listeners. He pointed out, singled out, and condemned every single practice in every single life that did not meet God's expectations and follow God's will, that did not serve others in reflection of God's mercy and forgiveness. He justly condemned everyone. Oh, how we need John in our world today. What an exceptional messenger he would be Truly treating everyone the same, everyone as they actually deserved, even the powerful, even the influential, somebody actually telling them what they need to hear so that they might be saved. John was exactly the kind of preacher our culture hates. Everywhere you go in the scriptures to take a look at John, the person, the work, the message, You will never find any fluff. You will never find any frivolity in any account of John. John never allowed anyone to patronize him in attempts to get him to change his message in any way so that his crowds might be bigger and his influence might be wider. In fact, John understood, and John held firm on the idea that it was exactly the fact that he didn't recognize anyone as different or special than anyone else that was what was drawing the crowds and growing his influence in that region. And the truth, unvarnished and powerful, was exactly what they always got from John. Down to his DNA, John was always exactly what God had called him to be and what God had prophesied him to be and desired him to be. But John was not perfect. Only Jesus John's relative, born of a virgin, he would be the only one who would ever be perfect. And so, John also was never condescending or truly judgmental toward anyone. No one ever got from John that you're a sinner and I'm not. No, John stood among them and proclaimed God's call to repentance and contrition, sorrow over sin, a need to get right with God, so to speak, 
as a necessity for every single human soul. He presented himself also as a broken and repentant sinner. John knew the truth about himself. He knew the truth about every other human being. He knew the truth that God was proclaiming, and so he wanted everyone to know it and hear it for their eternal good. And it was very simple. Any one of us that does not listen to God, God actually speak with his own voice, through his own word, has no hope of eternal life, has no hope of the forgiveness of sins, has no hope of living with God forever. Stern message? Absolutely. But take a moment and look back at the first words of the prophecy from Isaiah that we read this morning that lays out the most detailed of all the prophecies about the forerunner, the messenger, the voice calling out in the wilderness that was John the Baptist. What word does it hammer there by repeating it? It's the word comfort. John the Baptist was sent into the world to make people uncomfortable, to make you and me uncomfortable, to make Herod and the Pharisees and everyone else that came out to hear what he had to say uncomfortable so that they might receive true comfort. Because as long as you and I are dependent on our own acts, our own thinking, our own ability to understand who we are and how we might possibly make right things with God, that would be of value in that relationship in the moment of judgment or for eternity? Deep down inside of us, every single one of us is super uncomfortable about that idea that we could figure it out, that we could actually know, that we could choose between all of the options that human beings over the history of humanity have come up with as the way to make that happen. The comfort that God offers us in these verses and through a man like John the Baptist is just the opposite. Read what he says. See the summary there, hundreds of years earlier, of what John the Baptist proclaimed to the world when he said, the kingdom of God is near. I'm pointing you ahead to someone whose sandals I cannot even untie, who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All the things that he said, when it could all be summarized, were simply law and gospel. Very specific, very powerful, very intentional law helping every last person understand the state of their sin, the comprehensiveness of their inability to please God or work out any deal with him, and then the beautiful, balanced flip side of that, that God has provided for us not just payment for our sins. But as Isaiah says there, double payment for every one of the sins we have ever committed so that we might know who our God is and that he reigns over absolutely everything, including the issues of sin and death and resurrection and life, life after death, eternal life. You and I need continual reminding that there is only one path back from our many and grievous sins to being at peace with God. And that path begins with absolute, transparent honesty with ourselves. 
and with our God. It is repentance of our sin and total reliance on God alone. It is looking, as John the Baptist pointed us to look, at the Lamb of God, the Lamb of sacrifice from God as the only possible substitute to step in for the judgment we rightly deserve. This is, and always has been for a very long time, the focus of Advent for Christians. It isn't the lists of duties and gifts. It isn't the songs and the lights and the sights. It is all about the heart. And it is all about honesty. And it is all about redemption. And it is all about God's gifts to us. Everything about John the Baptist and his message is exactly right for a daily journey to reality, repentance, reliance, and joy that every Christian needs to take. It is a journey we must endeavor, not just during Advent, but every day of our lives. It is a journey of confessional Lutheran Christianity. It is the way of life. Read the Fathers and understand they talk continuously about daily repentance, daily confession of sin, daily remembrance of our baptism, daily renewal of our reliance on Christ and the work He has done for us as our only hope of not only life with God forever, but the empowerment and the ability, the motivation, the inspiration to live for God differently today than we ever have before. That is a far different experience. A very different journey than many in our culture. Even in the Christian culture would prescribe for us this December. Perhaps it is time for you and I to spend some precious moments listening to John, getting to know him better, realizing that he is exactly the voice, the messenger we still need in our lives. Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit will convince us that the Baptist is right. That he's exactly the voice calling in the wilderness of our lives that we need to hear and that that as a result, you and I might actually begin a better journey this December. a better journey to our eternal destination that is a gift of God than we have ever been on before. Amen. Please stand. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.